Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Welcome to this week of the Family Brand Podcast. I am so excited to have with me Brooke Romney today. Welcome, Brooke, to the podcast. Hi, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Yes, I get, before we hit record, I was telling Brooke, I get emails quite often just saying, hey, would you consider um, this person as a guest on the podcast? And a lot of times I don't know who they're proposing. Um, but I was excited when Brooke came into my inbox. I was like, I love Brooke Romney. Her Your Instagram handle is Brooke Romney Writes. And I know her work. I've heard you speak before um, at a women's event called Time Out for Women. And then um, my friend bought me, we'll get into all the things that you have out in the world. But my friend bought me um, a book that that Brooke has published about teens. Um, so we have that. And so I thought it would be really fun to have this conversation because I love bringing uh, on guests to the podcast where we can, where I really already love what they're doing and know what they're, and know what they're about before we even hit record. So excited to dive into all of that today with you, Brooke. Me too. Thanks. Thanks for opening up your time and we're excited. Awesome. Okay. So Brooke, I love that you can speak, I feel like on so many different topics today, and you speak so well on so many topics, but today I would like to focus on raising teenagers, and I know that that's something that you, and the book I referenced earlier um, was called 52 Modern Manners for Teens, so I, you do so much work with teens, so that's why I kind of decided, like, let's let's focus and focus in on that topic today, um, but tell me, how did you decide that you wanted to write that book to begin with? And how did you decide you wanted to speak to parents about raising teens? Well, I, for one, I love teenagers. And for two, I think this world that they are in is especially difficult. And the third reason was when I had my first child become a teenager, I was looking for resources. I was looking for accounts. I was looking for books. I was looking for a community and truly, there was nothing out there. There was nothing. There was not a space for me to say, this is going on. Is this normal? Should I be freaking out? You know, does anybody have any suggestions? And so I did, you know, those first few years of having a teenager, I did it pretty alone. The other thing that I found is parents just like clammed up as soon as our kids became teens. And we used to sit at the park and talk about all our problems and a bunch of solutions and all of a sudden, nobody was talking about problems, which as a parent who was having some issues made me think that no one else was having problems. And because nobody was talking about problems, no one was talking about solutions. And because I'm someone that processes verbally and through the written word, the idea that there was nothing being written unless it was being written by an expert, which I love experts and I think they're very valuable, but I wanted to know that that expert had been a mom with a broken heart. <laughs> Yeah. figuring out how to do it. And I couldn't find anybody like that. And so after a few years, I decided that I would just start sharing some of the things that I had learned. A lot of things I didn't do well, some things I did do well, some um, 
kind of aha moments I'd had, some things that helped my relationship with my teens, and then also helped me enjoy that stage of motherhood, even when things weren't going perfectly. That is an interesting position that I myself have found found myself in. As your as my kids have gotten older, it's not like the you are having less problems, but it's almost like you have to respect their um, you have to respect them and their privacy in a different way than you maybe did when they were little. And so it does make it tricky. Like you hold those things like closer to your to your chest. But I could totally see what you're saying that it made it feel like no one else was maybe going through those same things. Maybe let's back up for just a second. Will you tell me a bit about you and your family, just to give us a little context? Yeah, yeah, of course. So um, I have four boys. My oldest is 21, and then um, he's married and has a baby, so that's super fun. Um, My next one is 18, and then almost 19, and then my next one is 17, and then I have one that's five years younger, and he's 12. Amazing. So you are in the middle of teenager, (laughs) teenager land. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of done it with a couple. I'm in the middle with another one. I'm just at the beginning with my last one. So it's just, it's a topic that I love and I think that could use a little bit more community surrounding it. It's so true. There are so many, I've talked to um, someone else about this in the past, how there are so many, even, even if you were just looking at Instagram, there are so many accounts about how to parent toddlers or how to, you know, help with the tantrums or uh, nap time or all of these things that happen when your kids are smaller, but so few, you know, as as they do get older. So I love that you've created this space and this community for for people who, like, once all those little toddlers grow up, like, they need a place to go. The moms need a place to go, too. So I love that you're creating that, um, something that you couldn't find yourself. And it's a really beautiful beautiful community. I feel like um, it's really supportive, which I love how you have been able to create create that as well. Do you, How do you feel like you've been able to create that community and that space where women feel safe to share like what's what's happening in their lives? Oh, that is a good question. And I think <clears throat> one of the things that I think is a universal truth for parents of teenagers is there is not a right way to do things. And every teenager is so different and every parent is so different. And those relationships are crucial, but what works for one doesn't work for another. And so from the very beginning, when I started talking about teens, I remember it was very frustrating for me as a parent with a teen who was not um, following what the book said would happen. It was so incredibly frustrating for me to read advice and think, tried that, didn't work. Tried that, that didn't work. Um, yeah, that sounds great for a kid who wants to conform, but that's not working for me. And so one of my biggest intentions was to create a space where people didn't come and feel like there was only one right way. And so I've been really, really deliberate in making sure that every way is given credence, that every person who has a problem, um, I do a thing called Ask Brooke, and one of the directions that I have is saying something like, oh, that's not something we struggle with, or if you were just more kind, this wouldn't happen. I don't really tolerate that on my page. Most parents who are on my page are really deliberate parents who are working hard to create relationships for for their kids. And some of these kids are, it works for them, and some of them, it's not working for them. And so I think just from the beginning, 
Um, that was a vibe that I really wanted to make sure that everyone was comfortable bringing a problem that nobody would feel especially judged because they were having a problem. And I really want to be open to a lot of solutions. For example, I think that there is like an ideal where your child is intrinsically motivated. That is an amazing way for kids to be, right? I think that some kids, that is not going to be an option. So I love to entertain other ways of motivation. Maybe it's, maybe your kid is really motivated by money. So that's going to work in your family. And maybe someone else is really motivated by freedom. So more privilege is going to work in your family. And I wanted to make sure that there was a space where parents didn't feel like if my child is not intrinsically motivated to do his best all the time, then I am a failure. Um, it's more about they're maybe not ready to be intrinsically motivated yet. Not that you've done something wrong or your child is broken. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And I think it's so true that it is easy to get caught up in this thought as parents, like, first of all, that everything has to always look so good and be going so smoothly because it is for everyone else, or at least it appears to be. But also that there's not just one right way and that not one thing is not going to work for every not just for every family, but even in every individual child in that family, is it's going to oh, yeah. look different. Yeah. And being comfortable with that um, instead of feeling, you know, shame that it's not working out the way it should. I really think that that allows families to work towards solutions that work for them. And I think when you're doing things that work for your family, it creates a lot more joy um, for the parent and for the kids. And so when you kind of let go of the fact that I don't know why my family doesn't love to serve together and instead look for service opportunities that may they might think are fun. Maybe you have a family that's more motivated by fun than they are about by giving. You know, immediately you think, what what have I done wrong? Why don't my kids love to serve? Why don't they care about giving? You know, kind of putting that thought away and realizing like they're kids. So what kind of service might look fun to our family? And can we do that instead so I can fill my bucket of serving together they can fill their bucket of having a good time and somehow they can meet. Um, there was a lot of times where I felt like I was really rigid in what a good family looked like. And the more I've been able to realize there are millions of ways for a good family to look, um, I've been able to enjoy who my family is a lot more. Yeah, so true. What do you feel like, you know, when you talk about enjoying your family, what is your favorite thing about raising teenagers or about teenagers in general? Oh, I i mean, I actually have a ton of things that are my favorite, but I love that we get to do exciting things together. They are capable and they are able and I'm not carrying their stuff. So we've had great vacations. We've had cool hikes. We've done really adventurous things together. But I'm by nature am not very adventurous, but I somehow created a family that's very adventurous. So I've been out of my comfort zone so many times, which has actually been really great for me. I love when they're willing to go deep on conversations and thoughts and ideas. Um, this last Sunday, my 17-year-old had just a really brilliant question that allowed us to just come together and think and and find solutions and different ways to think about a, a certain issue and a problem and I love that. And so I I know that a lot of people get a little nervous about the teenage years, but for everything that's scary, I think there are at least two things that balance out to be really exciting and fun. I like how you say that, that there's two two things that will, that will balance it out. Because I think that is a narrative that is sometimes um, portrayed is that it is going to be 
this really scary thing and it's going to be horrible and it's going to be hard. And I love that that you're saying that there's two two good things that are going to balance balance that out. Yeah. And not, I mean, and not to discount that there are going to be really, really hard things. And and we've been through some really hard things. Um, what I've found though, that also is very exciting on a personal level is to realize like you can do it. You as a parent are capable of doing hard things. You're capable of having a child go through something hard and you're capable of being that strong and steady place for them. Um, even if you don't think you are. And I was talking to a friend who is going through some some really difficult things, and she said, "I, if you would have asked me when my kids were teenagers or toddlers, I would have said, I could never do that. I could never do that. But here she is doing it. And I think that's one of the most amazing things about parenting is that your love for your children is so big that it allows you to be capable of doing things you never thought you could. And for every parent who thinks, you know, my child will never do that. One of your children probably will, and you will be able to get them through it. Yeah, we had a situation. This is like one of those weird where it's like I'm living in a moment that I need to respect like my children's privacy, but I like also want to like share authentically. <laughs> so I'll just like kind of gloss over this topic right here, but say that we had a situation recently that happened in our family and I was telling Chris my husband I was like if I would have looked back and realized that this would have been going on I think I would have like when they say when he was five if I would have known that this situation would be happening you know when he was older I think I would have been just devastated and just like oh my gosh like I can't believe this is happening but as we're like working through this together it really is okay I'm like we're working through this together and it's fine. Like we're in a good place. And is it something that I would have maybe chose for us? No, but it's like, we're able to, to navigate it together and we're figuring it out together. And I'm so glad that I get to be there for him as he's learning and, and trying to navigate all this. Yeah. I had a friend who recently told me what a sacred experience it is to walk through the darkest time with someone. And as she said that, I was really moved to think of the times that have been hardest and how sacred those times have been. And there's a spectrum with every child on what is the hardest time. And, you know, you may say your hardest time and somebody might roll their eyes. You might say your hardest time and somebody might be shocked at how hard that is. But there is something really bonding and sacred when you can go through someone's darkest time with them. And I think that even though it's one of the hardest things we do as a parent, it's also one of the most beautiful things that we do as a parent. Yeah, it's been so cool, especially as my kids have gotten older, to just see what's emerging. This person, this, this I don't know, it's just been such a beautiful process to see and to be able to have that that front seat um, to, to it all, to them evolving and growing. And I've just loved I've loved the journey. And of course, not everything has been just perfect like we're talking about, but it's just so cool to watch the evolution and, and the growing up. And I think when we can um, let go of what our ideal for our kids looks like uh, and be willing to embrace what their life looks like and what their ideal for them is, the more we can really enjoy that process. I love to remind parents that are you living the life that your parents prescribed for you? Like when, when you were 18 and, and if they could have like put out a little roadmap of what they wanted your life to look like, have you done that? I would say 99% will say, 
No, they had something very different in mind, whether that was who they married or where they lived or what they'd be doing for work or what their family looked like. There was something very different. And 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 the life you're living is one that you love and you're embracing and it was perfect for you. And so remembering that as a parent, that there are millions of great ways for our kids to choose to live as adults and, and giving them that space and freedom to embrace what works for them, just like our parents did for us. Yeah, that's a great perspective that I've maybe never really flipped like that. I, I really like that. What would you say is your number one most frequently asked question from parents? I think it often revolves around friends when it comes to teens. So there's there's a lot of questions that fall into that category, um, but something revolving around friends. My child is struggling with friends. My child just got booted from their friend group. No one is including them. My child is bad at making friends. You know, something that has to do with friends, I would say, is my most consistent DM, one that maybe parents don't want everyone else to see on a comment stream. And what do you, it sounds like it's a wide variety of questions, you know, revolving around friends. What do you generally give as, as advice to, to these parents who are worried about their friends, their, their child's friends in, in some form or another? Oh, it's, I mean, there are so many pieces of advice, but, you know, so much of it boils down to, I think, as parents, we often um, overreact and are unwilling to kind of let the friendship thing play out because so much of it is is public sometimes, whether it's like you see what everyone else is doing on social media, so it's very obvious that your child is being left out. I think our kids, in a really great way, open up to us a lot more than we did to our parents. But that also makes us feel very involved in every small, tiny decision where before we were, we kind of had to figure some things out on our own. Another piece of advice is I, our kids have to be a friend to have friends. And we can't expect that everyone is going to cater to our child's needs or wants or, but my child is shy and they feel uncomfortable, you know, and so they want everyone else to reach out to their child. Um, or, you know, my kid is hard. So people are booting him out of the group and it's like, okay, so let's start teaching them how to read the room, how to be a good friend, you know, those types of things. And sometimes it really is of no fault of their own, which means we have to teach our kids that sometimes that wasn't the right group of friends. And, and it's important to start looking for the people who value you who like having you around, who don't bring you down. Um, sometimes it's about teaching our kids to be the inviter instead of always waiting to be invited. You know, if if a child comes home and says, I wasn't invited to this, you know, showing empathy and love and how hard that is and then asking, you know, when was the last time you invited that person to do something? Helping them, you know, kind of pull out of that victim mentality and and look for ways where they get to be um, the person that is controlling their life instead of being controlled by the whims of everyone else. But I mean, there's so many, you know, tangents when it comes to friends, but but overall teaching our kids how to be good friends and then how to pull out of that victim mentality and look for ways to create a friend group or at least one friend that they enjoy having around. 
a lot of what you're saying as you're saying it, I'm like, oh, I've seen some of these ideas before, like in in the book that I alluded to earlier. Um, so this book, I'm calling it a book, but it's a different if you have not seen the book that I'm referring to. Um, and it's called 52 Modern Manners for Teens. Did I get it right? Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, it sits on the table. So it's it's bound at the top. And so it's supposed, meant to like sit somewhere where you can see the page. Um, and every day or however often you can flip to a new page. And it's these little bite-sized thoughts that you can share with your team. These modern manners, if you will. Um, and just it's these little thoughts like the ones you just shared about how to be a better friend or how to just little different ideas across all topics relevant to teens. But as you were speaking, I was, I had the thought, I'm like, how did you decide to write a book to the team themselves? Because it's meant for teens. How did you decide to do that versus writing it to their parents? Because of my experience with my own teens, I realized that parents disseminating information to teenagers is not always well-received. One of the most important things as I was writing this book was that it could be taken in by a teenager on their own terms if that's how they chose to do it. Um, so some families use the book and they gather around the dinner table and they talk about a manner and they share examples and it's a very connective experience. I would say kind of like we went going back to what I said, that's the ideal experience, right? But for a teen who is a little more prickly and they don't want to learn things from their parents and they're not interested in a big family discussion, just being able to have it sitting out somewhere where they can take it in on their own terms and learn on their own was very effective for a lot of teenagers who didn't want to just believe their parents. Seeing it in a book feels more authoritative. Like it's not just something that my mom wants me to do. This is something that the world in general thinks is important. I also found that it allowed it to be less personal. Um, with one of my kids, anytime I would correct him, he would take it very personally. And I think a lot of that was because he needed me to be his fan. He, he needed a fan in this world. And every time I would correct him, it just kind of hurt his spirit. But obviously, it was important for me to correct him when things weren't going well. Uh, that's a parent's job is to help raise kids who can be functional adults. And I remember just wishing that there was just a book that I could give him or a way that he could take it in on his own. And that is why I created it in a way that would allow for awesome family discussion for kids who were willing and ready and then offered in another way for kids who really needed the help, but weren't quite ready to let a parent dictate that. Yeah. And I've, I've loved our experience having, having your book and having these little, like you're saying, bite-sized things that aren't quite coming from mom and dad, <laughs> but it's like still these universal ideas that are fantastic ideas to help grow that independent person who's out in society. And again, I'm I'm seeing a theme with you about not having something like whether it's a community for parents of teens or a book, but so then you just go create it. And I love that. I think that's so cool that you're just like, well, I'm not finding what I'm looking for. What if I just created it so then other families and other women teenagers can have it? I think that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it was really important to me. And it's also been um 
incredibly rewarding to see that other parents were lacking what I was lacking and the things that I was going through. It was much more universal than I thought it was. Yeah. Something you said a minute ago that I want to jump back to is you talked about how with your son, he just needed you to be his fan. And I thought that was such a beautiful thought. Yeah. Could you say more about that? Yeah, I think that for certain kids, depending on their personality or some of the things that they're going through, life can be especially difficult. And, you know, painting a picture of a kid who's headed off to middle school and maybe they don't have a lot of friends, maybe they don't understand social norms super well, so they're not well-received in classes, their teachers are bothered by them, they're not feeling especially successful in areas of their life, then they come home. And to have parents who then pile on top of those things that aren't going well, you know, pointing out every failure, every thing that they've missed, all the things that they're doing wrong, that would be a fairly exhausting life to live. And uh, especially with teens having phones, you know, not getting the invite, watching everyone hanging out without you, you know, everything is just compounded. So I realized fairly early on that I wanted to be a builder of my kids, that if they had the worst day at school going through maybe everything that I mentioned even in one day, that when they came home, they felt like there was something that someone that didn't just love them, but someone that liked them, someone that was happy to have them around, someone that saw the good in them. Sometimes that was harder than others. And to be totally honest, sometimes I had to pretend. Um, that I was so happy to have them home and, you know, all those things. But that was important to me, that they felt that from someone. It didn't mean that I couldn't correct them, that I, when they made poor choices, that they didn't have consequences, uh, that I couldn't bring up things that weren't going well. But when I went about it with an air of, I don't just love you, I like you. I'm excited to have you around. I see the best in you. I'm excited for what's coming up for you in your life. It was easier for them to take when there were those hard things that were going on, when the correction was needed, when discipline had to happen. I would say that there were times when I erred on the side of, you know, maybe being manipulated too much or not having enough, you know, backbone, you know, I guess. And there are times I look back and think, oh, I could have done that better. I could have been better at following through. But I have grace for myself. You know, I don't, I didn't know everything then that I know now. Um, and I felt really strongly about making sure that they had a fan in our, in our house. Yeah, that, that's so important. Um, and yeah, and I can totally relate, totally relate because there does come a point where sometimes it's like we have all these other things going on and you know, I'm maybe frustrated as their mother and it's easy to let that be like the overall like um, feeling between us is maybe some of frustration or that I'm not like on their side or on their team, but that I'm like against them in some way. But I really love what you're saying. It's like, no, we're we're on the same team. Like I am your biggest, your biggest fan. Like let's we're in this together. I think that I love that. Yeah. And I think when our kids feel that genuinely, I think they're more willing to hear us out. They're more willing to take what we have to say um, when we've established that what we want for them is is their best life too. And we're not trying to get in the way of that. 
You mentioned um, just briefly about social media and teenagers. And I know that that is a big, um, it's a big consideration today with teenagers is smartphones and social media and just the whole dynamic that that, that that brings. I know it's one of your, it's something you speak about a lot. And what is your advice, if you could say, um, to parents who are, who are navigating this in their own families with their own teenagers? Well, we could, you know, we could take an hour to talk about this. So I will just be (laughs) succinct. Um, I think the slower, the better. I, I believe in slow tech. I, I think that that's going to make your kid be a little bit of the weirdo and on the outside. And I am willing to have that trade-off for a slower introduction into tech so that when it is introduced, they are more prepared for it. I love the idea of uh, before a smartphone is introduced, that you have a solid relationship, that your child is willing to connect because as soon as they get a cell phone, there will be less connection, that your child is responsible already because as soon as that cell phone comes in, there could be a dip in homework and, you know, following through on things, Um, that your child is honest with you because without honesty, bringing a cell phone into it, not a good thing, that your child is kind in the home because sometimes cell phones can create less kindness. So you know, kind of putting out an idea of things that already need to be happening. A lot of times I think parents introduce a phone to maybe help those things. Um, and, and phones don't help that phones don't help a kid who is already disrespectful and unkind to his parents. It's not going to be made better by getting a cell phone. Um, a kid who is already not doing his homework, it's not going to be made better by getting a cell phone. So just kind of remembering those things and then open communication, slow tech. And then even once a cell phone is introduced, you know, doing it slowly, you know, not having the internet, not having social media, making sure they're ready for that. And then also being able to pull back at any time when you feel like it's not working, you know, things like, Hey, you're not getting your homework done anymore since we introduced this cell phone. That's a problem. And so from now on, when you come home from school, you get an hour with your phone and then it's gone until assignments are finished or, you know, things like that. I think parents sometimes feel held hostage by a phone, like they can't ever take it away and they can't, you know, all these things. And, and I don't believe in, you know, you did, you were unkind to your brother. I'm taking your cell phone for five days, but I do believe in logical consequences. And if there's a lot of time being wasted on a phone and important things aren't being done, a logical consequence is to, is to pull back on that. So you know, we could talk about this for hours, but Truly. definitely making sure that they understand what, you know, in our home, we want to make sure that our kids are living good, healthy lives that will prepare them for adulthood. When a phone gets in the way of that, we have to have some conversations. A good, healthy life means one that includes, you know, following through on your commitments, being outside, getting exercise, connecting with people in real life. If a phone is getting in the way of living your best life, then there's some conversations to be had. In a sense to me too, that what you're saying includes conversations throughout the whole, the whole thing, conversations at the beginning, like, okay, we think you're ready, but this is what it's going to look like. And then continuing that conversation, having an open conversation as it, as time progresses and as they continue to grow and develop these skills with the phone. Yeah. And more insight in the beginning, you know, you're going to be reading a lot more texts. You're going to be saying, Hey, 
that text actually came off really rude. And they're going to say, I didn't mean it to be rude. And, you know, having that conversation about sometimes things don't translate, you know, when we type it in a text. And, you know, one of the manners in volume one, nothing online is private. Like, if you don't want your friend's parent to see that, you probably shouldn't text it because a screenshot can live forever, you know, things like that. So just reminding them of with each baby step, making sure that they're prepared. The saddest thing to me is when a cell phone or a technology derails someone's life that could have otherwise been a really good life and making sure we do everything we can to ensure that that isn't happening. Thank you for that. <laughs> I kind of snuck that question in, um, in there, but I know it's something that every family is navigating and it's, there's no, you know, going back to your, there's no right one right way. I think that a lot of times myself included, I'm looking for like the person to tell me like, okay, what should I be doing? How, what's the right age and what's the right amount of time and which apps should they be getting when? But it is so, I think, personal and such an individual journey for each family and each child in the family. But I do love getting your perspective on, on how to best navigate that. Um, And I agree. (laughs) What? You know, we're almost here at time, but I would love to ask you, what would your advice be to if you, parents or to a mother, um, maybe a first-time mother who's at the, at the beginning of her journey, what advice would you have for someone in that position? Well, I look back at me as a first-time mom of teens, and so I will speak to myself because that's the only person that I really know. And what I would say is there can be a beautiful balance between the boundaries and the expectations you have for your kids and the unconditional love that you can show them. I think I was not uh, so sure that I could do both well. And so I think a lot of times parents will lean to one side or the other just so many expectations and so many boundaries and so many rules and consequences um, or none at all because you just want them to feel loved. And I think that there is a really, the best way we can parent is to have both. And when we have those, those boundaries and those expectations, I think that's when it allows our relationships to be what they hoped they would be. Our kids aren't always going to react well when we have them right away. And that's something that I needed to understand. No teenager is going to be like, thank you so much for giving me a curfew. That's so helpful for me. That's unrealistic to expect that. But a kid needs to know that their parents want them to come home and they want them to come home safely. And when they know that, then they can feel comfortable in having those relationships with the parent. I think sometimes we think it has to be so serious through the teenage years um, or just all fun. And when we can infuse the fun and the lighthearted and the laughing and the connection in with the expectations and the, you know, some of the rules that we have and and our family culture that's important to us, I think that's when we can have the best possible relationships. So if you are the parent of a brand new teen, do your best to kind of walk that middle line It's okay if they're a little bugged by you or mad at you because there's also going to be a lot of times when they're excited about you and want to share with you and want to do fun things with you. And so I think it would have been good for me to realize that that was 
the natural way to be a parent. There's going to be some good. There's going to be some hard. There's going to be things they don't like and things they love. And, and that's just, that's just part of being a parent of a teenager. Totally. I love all that. Recently, my, um, one of my sons was frustrated at something we had done or said as his parents. And, um, my 16 year old, or my husband told my 16 year old, he was like, I'm sorry, I've never parented a teenager before. Like, I don't know exactly if I'm doing it right or exactly, you know, what to do, but I am giving you my best. Like I'm want everything. I want the world for you. So I'm going to give you my best and I'm going to fail sometimes, but you can guarantee that I'm going to try my best to be there for you. So I think that was important for him to realize, oh, my parents, maybe they don't always <laughs> have it all together. They don't know what they're doing sometimes. Like, and I felt like that was eye-opening for him to realize too that, that we're navigating new things also. Absolutely. Yep. And And giving yourself grace for every you know, every new kid, you think you maybe have it down and then the next kid comes and they're totally different. And so I feel like I'm always a beginner parent. I'm never, I'm never an expert parent. I'm always a beginner parent because each kid is teaching me something that is so new. Yeah. That's a great, a great perspective. I'm going to link to your book that we talked about and then we'll link to your Instagram. Is there any other place you would want people to find you or join you? No, I just, I love having part people a part of our Instagram community. Um, I think the books that I've created are really helpful for families and really doable. Um, and then I do have a website, brookromney.com, that just kind of gives you some overviews and old articles and, you know, gift lists and things like that. If you're ever looking for something I've written, you can Google Brooke Romney and whatever you were looking for, and usually it'll pop up on the website. Amazing. Well, thank you for joining us today and sharing all your wisdom and knowledge uh, with us. I appreciate you and what you're doing for the parents of teenagers. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Family Brand Podcast. To say thank you, we have something really awesome we'd love to share with you. You know, we often hear from families who will tell us that they just feel so overwhelmed because of the demands that are placed on them. They feel like they're constantly being pulled in so many different directions and spread thin and they're spending time as a family, but they don't feel like it's quality time. They're not really connected and they want to be more intentional. And we can certainly relate because we felt like that at one point in, in our family. And so we created a guide that allowed us to really be more confident around how we spend time as a family and what we say yes to and what we say no to. And it's just brought so much more peace into our home. It's made our lives so much more simple and we want to share it with you. So if you go to familybrand.com, forward slash free, you can download the how to take back your family's time guide. And I can promise you it'll give you more confidence and more peace in your life and in your family. One last thing, we feel so inspired when we hear from families that we are making a difference for them. We would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and a review on the podcast so we can reach even more amazing families. We truly believe that the way we change the world is one family at a time.